following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I get to preach on baptism today, and part of my purpose in preaching on baptism today is, well, first of all, we're going to have a baptism next week. And so I want us to understand what we're doing as a community, as a body. And I want us to understand some things about baptism. So um, that's one of the reasons I want to preach on baptism. But you might be here and say, well, I've been baptized and I've, you know, uh, it happened and I don't need to be baptized. Well, you know what? If you're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're called to be a discipler to Jesus Christ. And I believe that the whosoever can baptize One of the foundational beliefs that I have here is that this isn't necessarily relegated because Pastor Dave is a pastor, that he gets to baptize. I really believe that baptism can be administered by whoever is in a life leading someone to Jesus. And in fact, you're going to find as we preach, as we go on here, that in the early church that they preached baptism and salvation in the same breath. They preached it together. They, I mean, it was, it was right one alongside the other. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Most of you have heard me preach for a number of years, and so you know all my testimonies, you know all my stories. My kids always go, oh, dad, it's going to tell this one again, you know. But um, when we got saved, when Susie and I got saved, these folks, they just believed. We said the prayer at two o'clock in the morning, by 2.30, he's on the phone calling people saying, hey, we've got a baptism down the creek. And we were baptized uh, June 6, 1978 at 2.30 in the morning. And I tell you, I went in the water one way, May. I said June. May. Thank you. Thank you. I still need her while I preach. <laughs> and it was cold. But I went in the water one way and came out another way. Why is that? Because they believed in the power of baptism. Part of my goal today is to get you to believe in baptism, that it's a believer's baptism. In other words, you believe something, that we have faith in what we're doing when we're baptizing. It's not just an outward work of an internal or an outward sign of an internal work. I don't believe that. I believe that it is a very powerful step of saying, I am leaving one life and I am coming into another life. I am dying to one life, and I am coming into true life. And that's the essence of what baptism is. So the reason I want to talk about it today is I want us to believe that. I want us to believe that when we administer baptism. I want us to believe that if you're here and you want to be baptized. Uh, Many of us I've heard it way too many times. Well, I've been baptized. I was baptized as a baby. Well, that's, that's good. But how can you repent and be baptized if you're a baby? In that order. <laughs> and I, I believe it has to be. So a lot of scripture. We're going to run pretty fast, pretty hard. Uh, but it is my desire that you will have confidence to teach baptism by faith and to administer baptism by faith. So... I want to read Jesus' great commission out of Matthew chapter 28. 
We're pretty familiar with it, but basically Jesus commissions us to do two, three things. Jesus came, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18. I'm sorry, I didn't get you the scriptures, did I? Boy, those guys, they, they really have a lot of grace when I'm preaching. You know, the people back in the booth, give them a hand. They're, they're amazing. I'm so sorry, I forgot to get you the scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and do three things. Make disciples. Baptize them. In the name of the Son, and the Fa- in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And number three, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Those three are part of making disciples. When we're talking about discipling, we're talking about um, baptizing, we're talking about teaching, and we're, we're talking about um, making disciples. In other words, discipleship is not just uh, teaching people and saying, now you go and do it. I believe discipleship is when you join hands, walk arm in arm with one another. Probably one of the best pictures of discipleship is when you have a, a baby and they're, they're born and, and you're discipling that child from the time that they're young all the way until you know, they leave home. I'm still discipling my children. But the main part of your discipleship is walking alongside of them. It's not just ordering a bunch of things for them to do and then not doing it yourself. When you're in the trenches with the kids and walking alongside them, that's one of the greatest pictures of discipleship. We are baptized. There's three baptisms mentioned in the Bible. The first is water baptism. The second is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we talk a lot about those. But there is a, a scripture that talks about being baptized into the body of Christ, and that be, is being immersed, and that's what baptism means. It means to be immersed. It means to be whelmed. It means to go completely under the water, sprinkling baptism. I guess if you have faith for that, that's okay. But I believe in dunking people. I mean, dunking them good. I've never lost one yet. So anyways, uh, but I, I believe that the immersion in the water is really important. But it's important to be immersed into the Holy Spirit, and it's important to be immersed into the body of Christ. When I hear people say, well, I don't need the church. I'm just good with me and Jesus. No, um, that's not biblical, it's not scriptural, and it's not safe, and it's not wise. That we need one another in the body of Christ. I need people speaking into my life. I need to run hand in hand, arm in arm. I had a fantastic time this morning worshiping with you. I worship on my own. I, I do. I, I, you know, I, I spend time worshiping. I one of the delights of being semi-retired, if you call that, it, it, semi-retired, is that I can still get up early and I can have time, you know, where I'm just just with Jesus. But I tell you what, that's good, and we need that. But I tell you what, coming together and being immersed into a body of believers and worshiping together is powerful. So I want to encourage. There, there's three different uh, baptisms. And uh, we are all called to, in this thing of making disciples. So I want to go into um, the day of Pentecost. 
You remember what happens is uh, they're all gathered in the upper room, 120, and they have been together now for 10 days, and it says that they're all in one accord, they're in one agreement. That's the power of being immersed into a body, that we can come into an agreement on some things. But uh, they were immersed into relationship one with one another for 10 days. How many would have liked to have been part of that? <laughs> you know, that would have been fun. I don't know. They must have smelled pretty ripe by the end of that 10 days. I don't know. Um, but they were uh, gathered together in the upper room, and then something happens that was promised. They should have known it was coming, but it didn't turn up the way they thought it was going to turn up. And a mighty rushing wind, by the way, that was heard throughout the city. We know that because people from all over the city came to see what was happening. So there's this mighty rushing wind. There are tongues of fire. People poured out of the, the upper room, which is what Holy Spirit does. He sends. Last month we talked about the go of the gospel, right? And the go of the gospel is so that we can make disciples. It's so that we can bring people into this relationship, this wonderful existence that we know of being a son and daughter of God. And so they pour out into the streets. Everybody's talking different languages, funny languages. Uh, they're uh, accused of being drunk. And then Peter opens up his mouth and he preaches a gospel message. And he tells people things like, you know, you've crucified the Lord of glory. This tongues that you hear, this is a, this is a result of the prophecy of Joel and this is what's going on. You crucified the Son of Glory. By the end of his gospel message, by the way, how many know there were some convicting things about the gospel message that Peter preached? It wasn't, uh, you know, come, into, come to know Jesus and all your problems will be over. Oh, you want the best life for yourself? Just come to Jesus. You know, the gospel that we preach has got to have the truth of the gospel with it. And he basically told him, listen, you bunch of sinners. <laughs> this is Dave Weigel's paraphrase. Listen, you dirty bunch of sinners. You crucified Jesus. You deserve to hell. Go to hell. You deserve to die in your sin. But there's good news here. And they're cut to the heart. That means that they were, it wasn't a head message. It was a heart message that was preached. And it got into their gut and they were cut to the heart. That means they, were, they had conviction. There's conviction in the preaching of the gospel. But then they say, what, men and brethren, what do we got to do to be saved? And here's Jesus, or this, here's Peter responding to them. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and Peter said to, the, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you, your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. So that's where I get that it's a believer's baptism. It's repent and be baptized. See, there's, a, there's teachings out there that you're baptized as an infant, and that's you know, your ticket into heaven. I was baptized as a baby uh, into the Catholic Church. And I think as far as they know, I'm still a Catholic. <laughs> I guess I can be. I don't care. You know, that doesn't bother me. But I know this. I know that I had to have an encounter with Jesus for myself where I got cut to the heart with conviction 
and asked, what do I got to do to be saved? And then I repented, we paid the prayer, and then I was baptized for the remission of sins. So for the believer, baptism is a sacrament of consecration into a new life in Christ. It's, a, it, it's the, the doorway, if you will, into, the, it's a public statement of, some, of a transition that is going to happen. It's a declaration that I make saying, I am going to consecrate myself to, into a new life. It's a leaving, I'm going to die to this so that I be, can be consecrated to this. Now, if you've never been baptized and if you've never done that publicly, you've never done it by faith, you're always going to have struggles in this realm. I've got good news for you. In this realm, you still have struggles. <laughs> or don't you? You guys are pretty quiet on that one. I still have struggles. I've been baptized. The old man is crucified. and I, the, the difference is I have an authority here to say, no, I have been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I believe that I died back here. If the Apostle Paul could go back some, whatever it was, 20, 30 years, and say, I've been crucified by, with Christ, then it tells me something. It tells me that there is no time and space in eternity in the spirit realm. And if Paul could go back and say, I've been crucified with Christ, I can say, I've been crucified with Christ. I want to encourage you, unless you see yourself superimposed on the cross with Christ, you're always going to have struggle with this life. And so what baptism does, it gives you an authority that says, no, I have been crucified with Christ. This transition has happened. I have been buried with him in baptism, and I have been raised by the same glory that raised Christ Jesus from the dead so that I can now walk in newness of life. And the power for walking in the newness of life is the fact that you've gone through the transition that you've gone through the death, the burial, you have been united with Christ, it says. We're going to read Romans chapter 6, the, the golden standard of baptism, and it tells you all these things. It's just that I always get so excited about it, I, I, I can't wait to read it. I've got I to tell you what it says. But it, it does say that. It says that, that we have actually been planted together, united together. And the idea is that if you read it in the, the original language, you are actually planted in a way that you grow alongside of. And it's an agricultural term. That just in the same way that you, you plant something in the ground and you plant another one alongside of it, you've ever planted carrots too close together? I, I did that this year. You know. And I spent some time thinning them out now. But I tell you, it would have been easier to thin them when they were younger. <laughs> no, they, they twine together. But that's the idea is that we have this identity that is in Christ. It is solus solidified in Christ. And that comes through baptism, I believe. Because why? Because number one, baptism is a commandment. And how many know there is a blessing in obeying? We no longer obey out of the law. In fact, one of the things baptism does it crucifies you to the law and the law to you. 
yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. I can't go there right now. I want to move on to how the disciples preached salvation and baptism. Acts chapter 8 is a really exciting portion of Scripture. Uh, There's a massive revival going on. Philip goes down to Samaria. Um, All sorts of people are hearing the word. They're excited. They're believing. They're um, turning to Christ in droves. And and, uh, Philip is just preaching the gospel. But here's what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12. It says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. He preached Christ, they were baptized. That it's like they didn't wait and think, well, okay, let's wait till the church has a baptism, and then I'll get baptized. It's like, no, they preached the gospel of the kingdom and baptism Consecration, separation from one life, and consecration into another life were preached in the same breath. How many know that salvation without separation and consecration isn't really God's plan? I believe that. Now, I don't believe baptism saves, by the way. I do not believe that. I believe that salvation comes by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read about the Ethiopian eunuch in a minute here. And he asks, you know, can I be baptized? And he says, yeah, sure. So he gets down out of his chariot. If he'd have tripped and fallen and hit his head and killed himself on the way out of the chariot, I believe he'd have gone to heaven. I believe that he was saved. Even before he got to the pool that he's talking about. Uh, Because faith, forgiveness for your sins comes through repentance and confession of the lordship of Jesus Christ, of the of that God has raised him from the dead, according to Romans 10.9, that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Done deal, it's over, okay? But I do believe that you'll struggle in the flesh, you'll struggle with carnality, you'll struggle with a mind that isn't totally consecrated to believe the things of the kingdom unless you've gone through the waters of baptism. So when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women are baptized. Then Simon himself uh, was also baptized. I'm sorry, Simon. I have to tell you who Simon was. Simon was a sorcerer. He was a guy that walked in signs, wonders, and miracles from the dark side. And he had the attention and the respect of all the people. But when they heard the preaching of Philip, Simon also heard the preaching of Philip. And Simon believed that's an incredible story. That, that, read Acts chapter 8. It's amazing. It's so fun. But when Simon also believed, and he was baptized, and he continued with Philip, and he was amazed seeing the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. I want to drop down to verse 34. Um, what happens in the meantime is the revival that's going on, they Uh, the apostles up in Jerusalem heard about the revival in Samaria, so they come down and they lay hands on the people and people start, uh, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. And amazing things start happening. 
And then uh, Philip re receives a divine appointment from the Lord. The angel of the Lord talks to Philip and says, go down to Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem, on the road that goes to Gaza. Philip does it. He leaves this amazing revival. <laughs> I think that... You know, it's like, okay, you guys got this. I am out of here because God told me to go down here. An angel spoke to me. How many wish that an angel would just speak to you and tell you everything you got to do? I'm kind of jealous, you know, of, of, of Philip here. But he does that. He's obedient. He goes to the road that goes down to Gaza, south of um, Jerusalem, and he sees a chariot going by, and it's this Ethiopian eunuch. And the Lord says, go over, take the chariot. You know, go run, take, overtake the chariot. So he does, he catches up and, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch and he's got the Bible, all the scrolls open, and he's reading out of uh, Isaiah. Now, this is a hungry guy, right? I mean, he, he's got the scrolls and he's, but he doesn't understand what he's reading. And Philip asked him, well, do you know what you're reading about? There was Isaiah 53 is what he was reading. He's reading about the uh, suffering Messiah. And he says, do you know what you're reading? And, and uh, the eunuch says, no, I, I don't. How can I unless somebody is sent and tells me? The importance of being the preacher of the kingdom, every one of us in our sphere of influence, how will they believe unless somebody is sent, unless somebody can explain more fully what there is going on in their hearts? I believe right now Holy Spirit is moving in the masses. I believe right now Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts of men, unbelievers, the most ungodly of the ungodly, the ones that you look at and say there's not a chance for them. The way people used to look at me and say there's not a chance for him. But Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts and people have questions. How are they going to hear unless somebody opens their mouth and, and speaks to them? So Philip answers his questions and he starts ministering the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or somebody else? Some other man. Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture, at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Know your Bibles, guys. Just know your Bibles. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Oh, brakes. Put on the brakes. He hasn't prayed the sinner's prayer yet. He hasn't asked, how do I get saved? His first question is, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, that tells me that baptism was actually preached in conjunction with salvation. That I would imagine that he talked about the suffering Messiah and how he had to be dead, buried, and raised again, and how that now the door is open for humankind to be crucified, buried, and raised again, and through baptism. And then the eunuch says, Whoa, then I want that. There's water. What hinders me from being baptized? I think that's a cool story. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. That's the caveat. That's what removes us from being a religious sacrament to being a life-giving transaction in the Spirit. 
because it's faith. It's, it's, it's the baptizer baptizes in faith and the baptized receives in faith. If you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized. And the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. <laughs> so that the eunuch... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm seeing double vision here. <laughs> now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip. I was looking through my glasses. I can't look close with my glasses. So, so the eunuch... Uh, saw him no more. He went on his way rejoicing. Wait a minute, Philip. Why didn't you hang around and disciple this guy? Well, he did his part of the discipling here. Preached the gospel, baptized him, and then God chose to pick him up and remove him. And Philip was found in, at Azotus. He was translated. And passing through he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. What a great story. But the point of that story for me is how closely they preached baptism with salvation. That if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent, and then you get baptized. And that in through the waters of baptism, you enter into the death, the burial, the resurrection of Isaiah chapter 53, what Isaiah was seeing. Another place in the scriptures that I think is a really good uh, place to kind of look at this whole uh, principle, this whole truth, is in uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. I, I, that's an interesting concept to me. He found some, Paul found some disciples in Ephesus and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's like, this is a no-brainer. If you believe, you, you receive the Holy Spirit. They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They're disciples, but they haven't heard if there's a Holy Spirit. It's an interesting thought to me, and I don't have it all worked out in my spirit on what that looks like. Verse 3, then he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Oh, so they were disciples of John. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism, baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Now when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Unfortunately, uh, the church is baptized with the baptism of repentance. And we have not baptized into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. It's massive. 
So with the, when Paul ran across these disciples, obviously people with a heart toward God. And they say, well, we haven't heard if there's a Holy Spirit. There's something about being baptized in water into the death, burial, and resurrection that were raised by the same glory that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And that there was an expectation of an infilling of the Holy Spirit. When I baptize, when you get baptized, fully expect to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We, I always lay hands on people after I baptize and I say, fill them now, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's what seems to be the way that the apostles did it. They kind of knew something that we geniuses have kind of messed up. <laughs> and I just, want to, I just want understanding. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't have this whole thing of the kingdom and all the intricacies and all the mysteries of the kingdom. I don't have all this stuff figured out, but I sure want to learn. Anybody else hungry? So they were baptized then into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. How many know they went away as happy campers? Yeah. So what baptism is not? It is not salvation. I kind of covered that already. Uh, Romans 10.9 says that if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and on his resurrection, confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. There is no works to salvation. Baptism is a work of obedience. It's a step of obedience. And I don't believe that salvation comes by any kind of work other than faith in Christ. Oh, I tell you, I've been looking lately at justification by faith in a new light, in a new way. And there's nothing, nothing, no work, totally devoid of works that I stand justified before my Lord Jesus Christ. There's no works. Not the fact that I'm a preacher, not the fact that I'm a good guy, not if I am a good guy, not the fact that I've been baptized. None of those things earn me my salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing but faith in what he did. It's what he did, not what I can do to make it happen. I tell you, when you're set free with that reality, when you understand that you are justified, by the way, justify Romans 5, 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That justified there means a declaration of innocence. It's a judicial term. That means that you have a declaration of innocence over your life. Mickey, innocent. <laughs> and you know who you are. I know who you were. <laughs> But because you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, innocent. And I love that thought of innocence. Oh, you ever looked at a little baby when they're just born and they're just, you know, all you know, gooey and cuddly and innocent. The innocence. And that comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Baptism doesn't do that. Baptism is not merely an outward sign of an inward work. Um, that's what most of us have been taught. That's what we've been, you know. And while it does have an outward look of what has happened inwardly, it's way more than that. I believe that there is a very real transaction in the spirit that takes place 
when you're baptized by faith. I believe that if you're, you see, we believe what we're taught. We have faith in what we're taught. And if I just believe, well, it's an outward sign of an inward work, um, then I, I, I don't think that we're going to be powerfully baptized. When I believe that in the waters of baptism, I am going to be united with Jesus on the cross. I'm actually going to be buried with him in the tomb. And then I am going to, by the same glory that raised Jesus from the dead, be resurrected. And then I can walk in newness of life. When you believe that, there's a power that, that comes with that. So it's not merely an outward sign of an inward work. It's not membership into a church, a denomination, a system theology, or any other person or organization. Um, in fact, it's not even uh, admission into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> it, it, it's none of those things. You are being baptized into a person, into the person of Jesus Christ, including all of his works. His work on the cross, his resurrection, you're being baptized into the person. So don't ever say, well, I was baptized into Dave because he baptized me. No, 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 no. You missed the whole point. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. How are we doing? Okay. Um, this is the gold standard. I have probably spent more time in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 than anything else in, in the Bible. I I eat it, I breathe it, I drink it, I live it. I, it's just, you know, for many, many years of my life, I, I didn't like Romans chapter 6 because it said things in there that wasn't my experience. You know, that sin no longer has dominion over me. You know, I'm walking in newness of life. I didn't feel like I was walking in. I knew that I was walking in a new life, but I didn't understand the power behind it. But I've come to appreciate and actually believe the unbelievable that's stated in Romans chapter 6. It's faith. Anything that we get in the kingdom is activated by faith. It becomes your reality when you believe from the heart. And sometimes the head is saying, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. If you preach this, you're going to be you know, thrown out of the church. And your heart is going, oh, but I believe it. So believe it. Believe Romans chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul, now, to, to know Romans, to really appreciate Romans chapter 6, you have to understand Romans uh, chapters, well, <laughs> everything preceding, because it leads up to this. Paul has just preached this incredible grace message. I mean, he's making statements. Think of this. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a leader in that movement, and it was all about the law. And he has just preached that the law really isn't it, that there is justification by faith, that you believe. The same way that Abraham believed, that's the way you're going to believe. The same way that uh, uh, Adam brought death into the world, Jesus is going to bring life into the world. And it's all activated by faith. And you can imagine the people that thought, well, the law, the law, it's what keeps us holy. You know, when I preach grace, and I, one of the things that I can anticipate in the room is, yeah, but what about sin? Are you going to be sloppy agape? No, you know, that, that's, not the, that's not the point. In fact, in my study in Romans, Paul does a masterful job of balancing walking in holiness 
and doing it by grace. And it's masterful. It's an incredible study. But so he's just preached this amazing gospel, and Paul anticipates that question. What shall we say? Verse 1, chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Look at his answer. Certainly not. I've got an exclamation mark after mine. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? What? Well, can I just kind of get saved and kind of keep one foot in the world and, you know, okay with my sin and... Paul is saying, no, wait a minute, don't you know you died to that? And that when you live in sin, and I'm not talking about, we all screw up, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin. Read Romans chapter, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, there's some really uh, telling scripture in there about having a lifestyle of sin. And he's saying, should we have a lifestyle of sin? Can I keep my foot okaying and poo-pooing sin? Paul is freaked out. He says, certainly not. Heavens to Murgletroids, no. You can't do that. Don't you know that you're going to have a civil war going on in your head if you live like that? You're going to be a double-minded man, tossed by every wind and every doctrine, and you're Your life in Christ is going to be unproductive. If you live like that, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer? Wait a minute, Paul. When did we die to sin? Well, here it is, verse 3. Or do you not know? Weren't you taught this? Do you not understand this? That as many of you, as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? That's when we died, when we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him. It's good to bury a dead body, right? So we were buried with him uh, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. I love that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. It took the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to raise me from that death and to bring me into newness of life. Nothing less. It took the same power, the same glory. We have the song, show us your glory. And ah, I love that. You know, we're, we want to see something. Luke hit, the, hit, hit it on the head. That prophetic word that he had where it said, you want to see the glory of God, look around you. Look at people who have been transformed by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Look around. You want to see the glory, the same glory that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, raised you from the dead, Luke. The same glory that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, raised me from the dead. No different. You know, that's good news. That's good news. We're powerless to live this life. You ever tried reverting to the law? And think, well, if I got these rules, I can do this thing. How's that work out for you? <laughs> That's the way I feel about it, Luke. Therefore, we were buried. Well, where am I? Verse 5. 
Yeah, even so, we should walk in newness life. Now, there, there's something I want to want you to pay attention as I read this portion of Scripture. I want you to... Oh, run out of time. I want you to see how certain Paul is about all these things. And I'm just going to read it. I'm going to quit comment. Ah, I love this stuff. For we have been united together, that is planted together uh, with the king... And I'm sorry, yes, he's certain about this. Pay attention to the words knowing, knowing, and certainly. Okay, so for we have been uh, planted together, united together, that's planted together in the King James Version, uh, or grown along with closely united to is how that's defined. In the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Do you know that your old man is crucified? When Jesus descended into hell, he did, and you were crucified with him, he didn't raise with your old nature. He did not bring that bugger along with them. Our old man was crucified with him. The body of sin is done away with. That we should know, I'm no longer a slave to sin. And he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, now, if he, we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead and dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. We are in Christ, so death no longer has dominion over us. For the death that he died, he died once for all to sin. Or, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, also, in the same way, reckon, that's an accounting term. You know, when you're doing the thing where you put this many marbles over there and then you do this many marbles over there to equal it out. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. The evidence is there that we have died to sin. And the corresponding accounting to that is that we have been resurrected to newness of life. Reckon that. That's what's happened. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. We still have a, a choice that it's, you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you not under law but under grace. Final thought that I want to bring to you, and this is a bit different than what you'll hear a lot of times. I believe that baptism is both a death certificate and it's a marriage certificate. Read Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. On your own. But in there, uh, the Apostle Paul, and we've used this for marriage, and we it, it says that when you're married to the law, how many know that you're married to the law, whether you're a Jew or not? You're married to the law of sin and death. Right? Okay. So when you're married to that law, unless that law dies, you're still bound to that law. And you can try to serve God, but it's like having an adulterous affair, according to that. But it says that in... You know, this is Romans chapter 7 is a continuation of Romans chapter 6, just, just so you know that it's all one thought, <laughs> along with Romans chapter 8, that he further proves his point and says, listen, you have been married to a law. In Christ, you die to the law. 
The law no longer has dominion over you. The law is what brings the flesh back to life. The law is, is what, it, how many know the law is good? The law is not evil. The law is good. Problem is, it's too good. And we, in and of ourselves, can only walk in the righteousness of the law through Christ Jesus. Having been crucified with him, buried with him, raised in newness of life. When we try to serve the law, I tell you, you get messed up. And in the church, we've seen it, legalism. We've seen how we've replaced the Old Testament law with a new Christian law. We're dead to the law. We are crucified. The law is crucified to me. And now I live my life in Christ and from that place, I love the law. From that place, I no longer want to kill you guys. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to steal from you. You know, not because I'm such a self-disciplined guy, but because I'm in Christ. Do you know what it means to be in Christ? Oh, this is more than attendance on a Sunday morning, flattening your fanny on a pew. <laughs> So much more. This is a real living transaction, I believe, begins in the waters of baptism. Quick question I want to ask myself. Oh, but Dave, can you be baptized more than once? I've been baptized more than once. I believe you can. In the same way that three times... And in the same way that people renew their vows, you know, we can, there are times where I've been in my life in Christ where I feel like I've gotten born again, again. And in those times, it's so significant that I've said, I just want to get baptized again. You know, so if you have a legalistic mindset, then just get baptized once, but make sure it's in faith. But if you are loving and living a relationship with Jesus in this new life in Christ, man, get baptized when, when you feel like you, you, just, you, you just want to renew your vows with him. Maybe you've been baptized, but it wasn't a believer's baptism. Maybe you've been baptized out of theory and form and ritual. I want to encourage you throughout this week, consider baptism. By the way, we're going to have a sign. We have a sign up. There's a sign up back there. Number two, faith activates the power of baptism. Um, that's more of a statement than a question. But, but I want you to understand that unless you're taught, you really can't believe. My purpose today was to bring the truths of baptism that many of us have never really heard. We've never really been taught that. Um, I didn't have all this when I got baptized the first time, but I believed, and it activated. So faith is the activation point, not head knowledge, not any of those things. Infant baptism. Can we have infant baptism? Well, the Scripture says repent and be baptized. I haven't seen a little uh, three-month-old baby repent yet. be an interesting thing to see. So if you've believed in your heart, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you're saved. 
And again, if the Ethiopian eunuch had fallen out of his chariot and died before getting to the pond, he would have been saved. <laughs> but if you've never been baptized as a believer, uh, there's a, and you have a struggle with a consecrated life and freedom from the law, I would just encourage you to consider baptism. Uh, I would invite you to take this crucial discipleship step into the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, food for thought. Um, I, I, I love preaching and teaching on this, not because of the knowledge that it gives, but because of the reality and the truth that imparts to the believer. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that you just minister your loving kindness and your mercies, God, throughout this congregation, throughout this people. Father, I, I thank you that baptism is just such an awesome privilege to be united together, identified with, to actually be immersed into the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, not into a religion, not into a form, not into a ritual, but into the person of Jesus Christ, an immersion into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We thank you for the truths, God. We thank you that you've made a way where there is no way, not just for salvation, but to be able to live a life of victory in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.